Issue number 73 of the Roll for Initiative podcast. We are back. This is volume two. I am DM Vince, one of your hosts, along with... Let's start with DM Nick this week. Hello, everybody. DM Will. What up? And producer slash DM Matt. Hola, everyone. <laughs> so, what's been going on? A lot of things going around with this new D&D. Uh, Playtesting going on. <laughs> People arguing, people throwing fists up in the air, saying F D and D people saying I love it. But you know, we gotta wait and see what's going on. So Nick, what have you been up to? Um, nothing really as far as the gaming scene, at least as far as RPGs. I've been actually uh playing a lot more uh this first person shooters this past few days. <laughs> Specifically Call of Duty Black Ops. Oh, yeah, you finally got that? Yeah, I got it for Christmas. Love it. <laughs> you it's played awesome. Uh, the zombie game? You know, I'm not all too intrigued with the zombie version. It's okay. I oh much prefer just playing the straight-up multiplayer. The only so, people obsessed with the zombie version of that game? You know, I, I don't... Yeah, because, you know, it's freaking zombies. I mean, hey, <laughs> you know, what do you want? But... Uh, like uh, patches for that, and they went and made a Red Dead Redemption version of uh, the zombie game just because it was another version of the game. It's amazing what they did. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I did hear that, but right now I'm just kind of getting to the point where I'm, I'm starting to get a little bit better at the game as <laughs> far as playing multiplayer. I have to admit, though, as far as all the uh, first-person shooters that I played, the storyline of these of the straight up game, not the multiplayer, mm. is probably the most compelling storyline I've ever seen in a computer game. Yes, it is very interesting. Very, I mean, if anybody hasn't heard, it's set in the Cold War. So this is during like the 1960s, at the height of the Cold War, mm-hmm. and there's some very interesting things going on. Very Manchurian Candidate kind of stuff. So, yeah. It's worth uh, it's worth getting as far as first person shooter, but who knows as far as the my role playing situation? Yeah, we haven't picked a game night for February. Don't know. It's all up in the air. <laughs> I mean, everybody's kind of busy on the weekends, and so we're we're we'll get a date uh, down pretty soon. I hope. Okie doke, Matthew. Oh well, my uh, weekly gaming sessions finally started back up but now we had one session now we're going to be off for the next two weeks due to super bowl and other things Ah, but uh yes we found our group in deadlands uh exploring a sanitarium where the uh patients seem to be wandering and the good doctor that ran it uh is nowhere to be found so we've been exploring that and we went down this dark stairwell to a bunch of what looked like uh cages slash patient rooms and at the end of the hallway we could hear screams and there's a locked door and that's where we ended it so we were 
Yeah, so we don't know what terror lurks on the other side, other than we found some, like, mangled, bloodied bodies and whatnot in some of the rooms, too, so... It should be interesting, and the, and uh, I also had a Craigslist score, too, that was quite massive and glorious. Six hardback books, 11 modules, plus the basic and expert rules for 30 bucks, so... Yeah, um, they all do have that. I've set. They've been sitting in the uh, garage for like probably fifteen years. Smell, but it's they're airing out quite nicely. And the guy even gave me his entire folder of player characters, hand drawn maps, and campaign notes. So, I got a, a similar deal to that. Back when we first started this show, it was just me and Jason at the time. Yeah, way before even Nick came along. Someone contacted me on the forums and they're like, "Hey, I have um." All the first edition books in perfect condition. Do you want them? And I was just like, "Yes, I want them." Yeah. He's. I'm like, "How much do you want from?" He goes, "For free. Just give me your address." <laughs> he goes, "I'm just. I just rather. Put, I'd rather have them. Someone use them than sit in my basement molding away." So I'm like, "Ah, oh, maybe they must." I was thinking to myself, they must be like crappy or something. So I go, sure. I give them my address. Everything. The books come. They're in pristine. They're all the orange back spine ones, but yeah, they're in pristine. Still- Perfect condition, like they've never been cracked open. Yeah, what the heck? yeah. All the books I got the were the probably fourth or fifth printing, so they weren't orange spined outside of like the Monster Manual too. Um, Demi Gods and Deities did not have Cthulhu. Ah, oh, mine neither. Yeah, but uh, and then the modules, other than uh, some of the pages being removed out for like the player handouts, yeah. everything's complete. Uh, albeit I do have a few maps uh, that were part of some cover that were actually cut out, mm-hmm. and I got to figure out which module they go to because there's no writing or anything on it to distinguish what it is. I so, do have a, a deities and demigods with the Cthulhu mythos, and I got a few years back. Ooh. Paid forty bucks for it, but you know <laughs> that's not a bad price. No, you know because it was kind of like fair condition or good to fair condition yeah you know it's obviously been used quite a bit but you know what i i wanted it yeah. <laughs> what can i say <laughs> cool yeah um all right oh so tonight as of this recording is the royal rumble yes. <laughs> i know it's a topic but just for record purposes matt since you're a wrestling fellow fellow person with me mm-hmm. who's your prediction for royal rumble winner tonight randy orton randy orton really yep my prediction is that I think they're going to go for a major twist, and number thirty is going to be the victor. Yeah, which what I mean by number thirty is that everyone's going to fall out of the ring or over the ropes by some hap, and we're going to be sitting there for about thirty seconds, not knowing who number thirty is, and that's going to be the winner. Okay. King Kong Bundy. Jimmy Superfly Schnooker. If this was 1985, I would have agreed with both of you guys. But, yeah. <laughs> Gorilla Monsoon. Oh, rest in peace. Oh, man. Oh, and uh, one more thing I just want to get out. Uh, the website that uh, Die Hard Game Fan I do reviews for, we're looking for reviewers. Um, as when the show goes up, the post will be live. But there's a... Uh, we're looking for both video game and tabletop reviewers, um, particularly people with, like, 3DSs or people that were willing to review iOS or Android games. We need people to review Wii games, sports games, adventure games, computer games. And I can do the Wii. Yeah, well, 
come on board uh, because we then we also need someone to do Pathfinder reviews, map reviews, BattleTech, Warhammer. Well, there uh, you go. Yeah. World of Darkness, uh, CCG reviewers, and also just miscellaneous tabletop stuff. On the tabletop side of things, we get about 100 review copies a week Wow, of stuff. We've what got, side is this? Uh, DieHardGameFan.com. Yeah, that's cool. I, I, I should log in there and start doing my job. Huh? Yeah, uh, we, we <laughs> definitely need help because we're just getting – because if we get a review copy – we want to actually review it. We're not like some sites where we get sent free stuff and we just let it sit and not do anything with it. If a publisher takes the time to give us something, we want to review it. And we do that, try to do that as best we can, but we're getting so much stuff we can't. Wow. Die Hard what? Die Hard Game Fan. Oh, Game Fan, okay. Yeah. The, oh, yeah. And- uh, MP, it's not a paying gig. Your pay, if you want to call it that, is the, your review copies. Um, and we're the only, to the best of my knowledge... A game review site that's a registered as a not-for-profit with the IRS. Yeah. So we're and people because people from our side have actually went on to work for do work with Activision to Wizards of the Coast and various other game companies. So. So what about you, Will? How about your week in gaming? Oh well, thanks to Vince, but it, it doesn't matter. I beat him to the punch to it. I was actually uh, the majority of my time this week was spending uh, playing that free Star Trek Online game. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah, you actually. Do tell. <laughs> no, I'm just saying it's 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 pretty interesting. It's it, it's free, but there there's a catch to it that you know there's a lot of things that there's quite a few things that you can't do until you uh, get the uh, subscription or whatever it is the gold service or what have you. But uh, besides that, nah, nothing really else. I gotta so, say, uh, is yeah, I'm gonna say the game is kick a because it's the first multiplayer online game that's not like makes you grind and it's annoying grind. I mean you grind things but it's like right. it's Star Trek fun grind. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it has a, a, a interesting uh mission sequence where you start off with the Federation, then you go to the Klingon, then you go to the Cardassian system. It's pretty good. Cool game and everything. And besides that, uh we did uh, listen to this though. This is so funny because with my one Pathfinder group, we we finished the uh Pathfinder Jade, uh, not the Jade Regent, but the uh Carrion Crown one. Adventure Pass series, so now we're doing first edition until the Shackles and uh, Skulls one comes out. So in six hours, they think they accomplished more in six hours than they did in a month in a Pathfinder adventure. Wow! So they're going through B one now, and I will do that in my adventure log uh, later on today, if not first thing tomorrow and everything. I'll do that in adventure log and show you how far they progressed. You should bring you should bring them through Little Keep on the Borderlands. <laughs> Well, it was an option. I, I normally run everyone through B one first, and from there on, it, it, it just, it just, it just—it's like roots of a tree. It just expands, expands. I have an open-ended campaign, so they can go anywhere. Cool. Based on level, but besides that, no, just a, uh, another typical weekend as usual. Yeah, I, I've been—I've been playing the Star Trek Online game, and I'm not as far advanced as Will because Will was up like obsessed with the game, playing like ninety hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Commander rank. I'm still like Lieutenant rank. But anyway, I uh, actually played in the Saturday night uh, community game. Where, uh, actually, this week we skipped it, but last week I was uh, playing in it. I was running the game. I was running an RPGA module from Dragon, uh, I think it was 105. Let me look at the, yeah, 105. January 86 it was. I don't have the cover because it was ripped off, but I think it's Dragon 105. Hmm. I was running that module for them, and they enjoyed it. 
we cut it off. But next week, we are playing in, uh, by the time this comes out, when do you think it'll come out, Matt? Before Saturday, hopefully? Yeah. Um, the previous show will actually go up tomorrow. I didn't get a chance to edit it today because, yeah, my house has been insane with a new animal being introduced and discovering <laughs> we have fleas in the house. So Finally got that owl bear, huh? Yeah. Yeah. The, unfortunately, I needed to give it its uh, revolution before uh, bringing it in the house. It's since mm. infested the other animals so in the house train we're gonna be playing we're gonna be playing star frontiers i'm running the game next saturday well whenever this is because there is a online con for star frontiers coming out really yes you go if you go to the osr gaming forums and you go to the i think it's star frontier the the magazine star frontiersman i forget this is star frontiersman.com star frontiersman.com Going to that right now, yeah. It's called Star Frontiers Virtual Con, and the link is starfrontiers.info/con slash virtual con, mm-hmm. and it's the 30th anniversary of Star Frontiers, and oh. they're organizing a 30 years already. Yeah, March 9th oh through 11th, 2012, an online con. Wow. It's five dollars to register for the weekend, and that's just to uh, to, to cover the cost of the patch and the shipping. Apparently, this patch that you see on the page is going to be produced into an actual patch. Wow. So basically, you're paying for cool. the patch, $5, to get the patch to you, and that's it. Hmm. I suggest everyone jump on this and play, because I'm going to be there. I know a few people on OSR Gaming said they were going to be there, like Mr. Roboto said he was going to be there. Uh, I think... Um, uh, who else? Some people on the Saturday Night Gaming group are going to be there, so... And if you don't go there, Vince is going to come to your house and shoot you in the face with a blaster rifle. That's right. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's what I've been doing. And oh, I've been reading uh, since I got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the role playing game. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I found a copy of it at Half Price Books for a dollar, and it was the unrevised edition. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So it's like the original one when they had like the, the, uh, the what are they called? The psychosis things in it, where you could be like, uh, where homosexuality was a disease? Yeah, you could be like double <laughs> homosexuality. Like you can roll being gay twice. You can be double pissed off and gay <laughs> twice in the game. So it's kind of funny. <laughs> Weird. Yeah, they want to editing that out in the second edition revised. Yeah, like, I only have the revised. Yeah. So it's just one page of psychosis stuff that that was diseases in the game, and they just edited that whole entire page out when it went to revised. But it was interesting. Let's just read that one page. That's all. <laughs> I remember playing that when I was a kid. I had the original one. I don't know what I did with it. Yeah, I have the Robotech that had all the psychosis in it. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I have that. And I actually, I was playing like a one-on-one game. So I had every other character NPC in the uh, squadron that my player was in have a psychosis. Yeah. <laughs> Just to make things, just because I'm in the fifth grade and I thought it was amusing as hell. Wow, yeah, that's safe. <laughs> yeah, the one thing I liked about those games was the randomness of the roles. I mean, you could be anything and anything. Oh yeah, the the Palladium system is, I'll say, special. It has its strengths and it definitely has its flaws, but you can definitely make anything and really mix genres fairly well. Sure, that's why they made riffs. Yes. 
uh-huh. the coolest game nobody played. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, Redbox games. We talked about them last show. Mm-hmm. I actually had gotten some samples from them. Ooh. Okay. Very good. Nice. I, the guy was very nice. He he threw in a bunch of uh, other samples into the box just to get me show me an idea what they were worth. And I have to say, I was very impressed with them. The stands came with it. Obviously, they're unpainted. Unpainted because uh, I questioned. They're that. unpainted. They have no pants. They have no pants. Wow. <laughs> painted. <laughs> and you could use uh, pretty much the uh, Warhammer paints to paint them. He said, "Of course." So uh, I suggest people pick them up. They're good quality. They're not heavy like metal pa- uh, figures. They're kind of. They look like about the weight of a plastic one, but they're not breakable like plastic. Okay. Okay. So like a mixture of maybe metal and plastic. I don't okay. know what the, the mixture is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Will you're the mini person, so maybe it's you made can of unobtainium. Um, adamantium. Mithril. Mithril. Anyway, so um, I suggest going to red-box-games.com. And uh, picking up as many miniatures from him as possible to make him rich. No, I'm kidding. Just pick up some. <laughs> or you can always go to estate sales like I do and get the big catch of miniatures that I got on Friday. Oh. Shut up, Bill. Yes. <laughs> I'm yep. sorry? That that <laughs> buy put my uh, Craigslist purchase to shame. I know. No, not really. I mean, who in their right mind would spend $40 on a miniature? Um, I don't know, but I besides me, I'm not sure. <laughs> I, w- I would totally have bought that. Uh, it, it just the circumstances of all that whole, you know, issue and situation with that individual that passed on. But uh, I just got lucky on that. Yeah, you did. Wow. Good catch. I guess. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Nick Stars. Yes, Stars. We have on iTunes and one more uh, new review. And just to remind everybody, yeah, head to iTunes. Look up Roll for Initiative, and uh, you know, give us a review, whatever it may be. And also, you can contact us at rfi-staff at gmail uh, dot com. Yeah. But our one review here, uh, it's from Estralinks. Uh, oh boy, I massacred this one. Estlinkska, I think I, it is. It's yeah. a very strange name, but it's uh, five stars. And says new gamer, so this ought to be interesting. So right. I am literally brand new to Dungeons and Dragons, but found myself turned off to the idea for E. I'm a longtime World of Warcraft player, but having grown tired of that game, it seems silly to go to a game that seemed to be modeled after World of Warcraft. Huh. <laughs> yes, true. I had planned to do 3.5, but found a group starting an AD&D campaign, and Ooh. thought I'd give it a go. I found this podcast, and it has been a great asset from finding what I need to get started, where to find said things I needed to get started, and just giving me a good glimpse of the game. Some of the materials clearly meant for people very familiar with D&D, but for the most part, this is a great asset for even complete D&D noobs, and definitely from for someone going from a newer edition to the old school. Thanks, guys. Well, thank you very much. That was wonderful post. I I, I read that. And I'm like, wow, that's really cool. Someone completely knew the D and D, and and we actually kind of turned them on to first edition, which is, you know, I, you know, <laughs> give ourselves a little, you know, 
a little pat on the back. So well, that's, that's that's what RFI is supposed to be. It's supposed to be like that Dragon magazine that you see on the shelf. Yeah. Well, you used to see on the shelf, and you were that kid. That came into, yeah, you were that kid that came into the comic book shop and always saw it sitting there, and was always like, "Yeah, I'll get it next time." Yeah, only pick it up and go, "Whoa!" <laughs> Just like that, too. Whoa! So again, folks, if you want to give us a review, go to iTunes. You know, type it in in the search function, and. um you know, just type in whatever it is you want and let us know, good, bad, or indifferent. And right. we'll do our best to read them on there. And, again, you know, we could also contact us at rfistaff at gmail.com. So that's our star's review today. I'd like to see a five-star review that just says, I love Nick. I would, too. <laughs> Come on, ladies. I like pie. <laughs> I like pie. That will be our one, our five-star review. Oh, okay. And, uh... We will head into Table Manners. Yeah, I remember back in the day, a fella knew how to judge a fireball on the fly and how far the cleric could push the undead he turned. I tell you, with all these min-maxers and munchkins, metagame and power game, there's something missing that I'm here to learn you. Now sit down and crack your book while I commence to teach you some. Table Manners. Okay, on today's Table Manners, we're going to talk about the Hyborian Age setting and how I would uh, utilize this or emulate this or integrate this or immerse this type of setting into a D&D campaign. Mm-hmm. Whoo! Let me tell you, you always <laughs> give me the tough ones, I tell you. First <laughs> off, let me just tell you, you know, Robert E. Howard was a genius. I mean, he absolutely was a brilliant genius when he came up with Conan. And, uh, you know, we're going to be discussing this um, this module today. Uh, uh, Vince, I think you picked it on Red Sonja Unconquered. But um, the Hyborian setting, I- I'm just going to be honest with you. It's it's not a D&D setting whatsoever. Uh, these modules and all of them, I'm talking about CB1, CB2, the Conan ones. Yeah. And Sonja, they're not the greatest things in the world. I- honestly, I-, I don't care for them. I don't like them because you just cannot integrate Conan into an AD&D setting. If I was to sit at a table and someone broke this module, I said, we're going to do Conan today. And it's just not going to be the same feel as if you're playing D&D. Let's talk about some of the differences. One, it's a low fantasy setting, plain and simple. That's the Hyborian Age. I mean, it is a low fantasy setting. Uh, so if you're a big fan of Forgotten Realms, you're going to be disappointed. Yeah, that's yeah. to say the least. <laughs> if you're a fan of Greyhawk, you're going to be disappointed. Because those are not low fantasy settings. To be honest, unless if y'all disagree with me, please say it. Please say it. And not to say low fantasy, it'd probably it'd be low more settings. low magic is probably yeah. a more apt term. Yeah. It, right. it, it, in some ways, it rem- kind of reminds me of Dark Sun, but with even less magic. Yeah. Yes. And you know was- and Dark Sun's perfect. That's a perfect, you know, analogy. But I also think that, like, if you're familiar with the Scarred Lands, which mm-hmm. is another setting, oh, real yeah. to Dark Sun. I mean, it's straight up, it's really a low fantasy, low magic world. Uh, the best description is it's gritty. Yeah. And I haven't seen nothing in D and D that's gritty. No. Uh, it, I, I, it has a darker edge to it, right? Because say. really, the heroes in Hyborian 
are would not be considered heroes anywhere else. Right. If anything, um, you could consider in the Hyborian age, you know, with Red Sonia and Conan and the uh, some of the other characters that surround them. You could you could almost put them in the anti-hero type category. You know. Right. Right. And that's the key thing. You you brought up a good point on Conan, Red Sonja, uh, that one pirate, uh, and, and you know a couple of other of the of the main characters on what the canon revolves around. That's basically what what the whole I mean the whole setting revolved around was just you know Conan and and his encounters and you know the other you know people that he he would ally himself with whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. So I mean if you can get past that if the players can get past the canon with Conan just that one here this is not like when you're playing like a Middle Earth role playing game where you're dealing with a whole cast of characters. I mean good right. lord there's thousands of people that everyone know about and it ain't just you know uh Gandalf and and all them guys I mean but in in the Hyborian age it's just Conan and if you can get past that, you'll do great. Or it's not like the Star Wars setting, you know. Oh, where do I want to see Han Solo? How about Luke Skywalker? I want to see Princess Leia. Whatever the case may be. You know, that's why I like the Hyborian Age because it doesn't revolve around a whole cast of, of, of characters, main support ca- characters like Conan right. and so on. That's one thing. Yeah, Conan, I always considered it like it's just one story out of the age of that's the, of the exactly. Hyborian Age. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, you can, you, I, I think if you want to look at, if you want to like compare this, if you want to try to do something on the opposite end, which would be like doing Middle Earth with D and D, I think with Middle Earth you are really shoehorned into playing those characters from right. the from the books. It seems like because it's very epic in scope. Exactly, Age, yep. not epic at all. At least not in the good versus evil di- uh, diametric. It it's epic as far as like it's a it's a very rich world to play in and to read about, but right. you know you could you could get you don't have to be Conan or have to be Red Sonia if you don't right. want to. and it and it's still in that aspect I guess works right and it's good that you you brought the word epic when when we talk about Hyborian Age or the Hyborian campaign setting the only thing that's epic to me is Conan. Right and Red yeah. Sonia and, and and you know uh, not thoughts of doing what is the other guy I can't remember his name for the life of me Tothamon yeah that guy you know those guys are epic but yeah. besides that everyone else is unepic like well, <laughs> well I, I wouldn't even say that but it still leaves enough room for it to play someone else besides known characters out of the books there there is right. enough room in the Hyborian Age to do that right. So we discussed the characters. Now let's talk about magic. Magic is yeah. not it's it's not fancy in, in in that setting. Okay, magic to me, as I read the novels and and, and you you really read into it, and and I want you to understand now that I really looked into the Conan RPG from Mongoose. They did a great job on it, but magic is more like spiritual bound, more earth bound. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's it's not energy that comes from the mind. It's it's hard to explain yeah. how the magic works. Now, I'll I'll cover that in the game mechanics part okay. too. Very good, very but, good. That's um, to make sure. Yeah, there is a huge difference when you're trying to do magic, and from the Vancian system that is part of AD and D, compared to what is going to be in a Hyborian Age setting, and it has more to do with 
there there's two big factors I'll talk about and it's right. dealing with clerics and also dealing with offensive spells but I'll I'll talk about that in a little bit. Awesome. Monsters. Oh man, if you, yeah. if you if you're if your mindset is monsters with that AD&D mindset, you're going to be terribly disappointed with the Hyborian Age campaign setting because what you see in the monster manual that relatively does not exist in the Hyborian Age campaign set if you understand where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. You don't have orcs, you don't have kobolds. Uh you just don't have those kind of things in there. So that's another right. thing that uh if you're really gonna run into if you really want to run a setting like this, get ready to understand that the majority of these monsters are either gigantic like giant white apes or dinosaurs, huge right. serpents, and creatures of that nature. Yeah, you're going to deal with some undead, you know, skeleton warriors, maybe some mummies. And, you know, y'all read the zombies. novels, y'all read the comic book, the zombies. Right. Uh. But I, I think Conan's, and, and this goes applies to the setting in general, is that strange things scare a lot of people. Right. The, that's the, the big thing about the Highborn Age that... Things like sorcery, magic, unnatural things. Those are the things that player characters will have to deal with because they're like, whoa, what is that? That is scary. Right. So that, that, that's the whole thing on the setting. And, you know, another thing, monsters, I, not too many. You know what, though? But you can, going on what you're talking about on monsters, there, if, you're, if you're careful enough, you can go through the monster manuals the Monster Manual 2 and the Fiend Folio, for that matter, and actually pick out monsters that could fit in that Harborian age. There, right. there are some monsters that yeah. will work. And I'll, I'll throw these out to you because I kind of worked with this. I was kicking around an idea of running a campaign setting on this. I, I think what I, one, of the, one of the key things I thought that was going to be kind of hard is like, oh, my gosh. What monsters am I going to include? You know, as far as you know, encounters. Well, here, here's one. One that you did uh, pick up on: dinosaurs and prehistoric creatures, for that matter, in a larger scope. You're going to see things like Stegosaurus and Triceratops. Right. Uh, you're going to see things like uh, saber-toothed tigers, uh, maybe woolly mammoths, things of that nature. So. Yeah, you're going to have your prehistoric creatures. You're also going to have, you know, giant-sized animals. You know, oh, you're yeah. going to have giant spiders. You're going to have giant frogs. Uh, you know, your huge centipedes and what have you. So those will fit. The dinosaurs and those will fit. Yep. Now you're going to get into another area where I think when you read those uh, ed- uh, those stories, you want monsters if I could actually say this, probably rather Lovecraftian in nature. Robert E. Howard and H.P. Lovecraft were contemporaries. They wrote. Exactly. uh, Howard was part of that Lovecraft circle of writers. And if if there's stuff that's kind of creepy and crawly and slimy and weird, it'll work. Your your black puddings, your green slimes, uh, gibbering mouther, great example of a monster that'll work in a Hyborian setting. Um, let's see what else would work. Uh, oh, there's, there's carrying, so many. A carrion crawler, weird monster. Oh, yeah, yeah, all uh, those will work. Owl yeah. bears, weird man monsters. Eat, uh, giant man-eating plants, and I mean, yeah. it could just go mm-hmm. on and go on. Sure. Now, I, I noticed also when and when I was reading the comic books, I, I got almost every Conan out there. I, I was a big collector back in the day, mm-hmm. like the 
the uh, fairy, a fey folk like Nerids and, and the Sylphs that live in the woods. But I've seen a couple of comic books where, you know, that, you know, he's traveling with some people and these women, you know, call to the guys. Oh, mermaids is another one, you yeah, know. Mermaids. So Good. I, I remember yeah. a lot of those monsters and everything. And like the, the, the ones that live in the woods, those uh, the Sylphs, they were evil because they sucked the energy out of you. And I said, well, there that goes that work. guy. So I mean, yeah. yeah, so interesting. But the Cthulhu monsters, definitely, because oh, if yeah. you if you know some of the uh, some of the uh, deities they use in there or whatever the curses, they're kind of like Cthulhu related, like Yogg or well, yeah, or actually Dagon. there are some Lovecraftian gods that do exist in the Hyborian Age. Uh, I th- actually Dagoth is is a is an analog for Dagon, if right. you're familiar that story but one thing i wanted to recall so we got like prehistoric monsters we got this weird creepy crawly slimy stuff now the last type of monsters humanoids like you said orcs goblins kobolds aren't going to work but i think there are some that might work i think yeah, lizard men i think lizard men would yeah yep lizard men. i think troglodytes would yeah mm. uh, yetis uh, would work because he fought a yeti before uh yeah oh yeah yetis um i think maybe even gnolls might work because they're weird enough mm-hmm. you know okay so i don't know there's and even then they would be small degenerate primitive tribes of these creatures right. cave dwellers and all that the, the yeah. primitive uh and, very you know, primitive. Yep. and i'm uh, and when i was looking at for humanoids i wanted to find something Something as far as human as I can. That's why I mentioned troglodytes, lizard men, um, <laughs> stuff like that. Well, what were so, the picks? I mean, were they it, just they were just it, the underdeveloped people? Yeah, uh, uh, you know, you could throw in your cavemen in there. Yeah, too. Yeah, you know? I mean, that would work. And that's why when we when you brought the subject, it's kind of like a mixed bag. I mean, yeah, you could do it with the monsters if you're careful. But when we get to the magic part, what I'll talk about a little bit later, it gets kind of right. Least something to be desired as far as a player is concerned. Don't forget demons. Mm-hmm. Yes, demons, yeah, demons devils, absolutely. Elementals. Elementals. Oh yeah, I've seen that used a couple times. So uh-huh. again, <clears throat> there is no limitation on monsters. Well, there is a limitation, but there's still plenty of monsters out there that you can you know put into a setting to make it very interesting. So. As far as monsters are concerned, I think what we can say, if you want to try to keep with the Hyborian Age flavor and feel of the thing, prehistoric creatures, slimy weird monsters, a select few of humanoids that are really primitive like your troglodytes, lizard men, and demons, and maybe some weird extra planar. I think this is the one type of setting where maybe the fiend folio, a good chunk of it is quite useful. Yeah. <laughs> I ran a, I ran a Hyborian age campaign uh, maybe about five or six years ago. I made it a Hyborian ice age type thing where I used prehistoric and uh, troglodytes, things like the cavemen. But I also, what I did was remember, the Diablo books that came out by Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, yeah, yes. I grabbed the demon monsters out of there. That's yeah, perfect. That would work. That would be like, yes. like, like two headed demons, like blob things running around right. and everything. Yeah, your your love Lovecraftian type slimy demons yeah. from the other dimension almost suck your soul out of your behind. I just used a Diablo book for, as to mine things out of, and it worked perfectly. 
There you go. So, yeah, that's good. That's awesome. Now, uh, one other thing I do want to cover, you did cover on the humanoid monsters, is also human foes. I think yeah. one of uh, Conan's greatest foes was that one guy that had lost, had his arm cut off, and he put that metal thing that could shoot out a, a knife or whatever. Yeah. The guy yeah. with the helmet, the metal helmet, you remember him? Yeah. yeah. He's the one that got ate up by the demon after, you know, maybe like 10 run-ins with him finally, but uh, those foes too as well. Right. But since Lots we're talking, yeah. So, you know, there's lots of, you know, alternatives. And like I said, just have to think outside the box a little bit. But just remember, in a Hyborian age, you don't want to use all the D&D monsters because then Hyborian suddenly becomes a D&D thing. And that's what we're trying to right, avoid. Right. right. And now, also, you got to keep in mind that no dwarves, no elves, no oh, gnomes, no, no half-elves. Yep. I was just going to cover that the next thing on, you know, races and classes. Oh, yeah. There you go. Races yeah, and for, classes. Now, see, there are rangers, but they're kind of revised. I think they were called borderers or something. I'm trying to remember mm-hmm. from what I was reading. Uh, pirates, you know, yeah. fighters, you know, thieves, or however you want to make assassins. them. Uh, assassins. Assassins. Uh, you can have magic users, but I think they'd be more akin to, like, a sorcerer. Mm-hmm. So then you got to look at that right. kind of stuff. Paladins do not exist in this game. No. no. But cavaliers do. Cavaliers do because if you're talking about the the kingdom of Aquilonia, yeah, they have something reminiscent of a cavalier slash knight class in that camp in that world, in that in that a kingdom. So a cavalier could exist, yep. and I think you're also going to allude to the whole alignment issue, aren't you? Oh yeah, <laughs> we can go through all that whole thing. So again, remember this is a gritty, low fantasy campaign setting. Magic. So what does it mean? Huh? You keep saying low fantasy. Don't you mean low magic? Well, no. how can I say this? No, I, I meant by low fantasy because it's not really a fantasy setting. It, it, it's hard to explain what I mean by that. It, because it's such a, it, there's not so much fantasy stuff in it. That Out, makes, yeah, outside of the creatures that inhabit the world, the animals, if you will, of the world, it's humans doing human right. things, and there's a few people that have some magic ability, but for the most part, it's just humans toiling in a really crappy environment. And that's exactly what the whole point about that. That's why I call it a low fantasy setting, because mm. when I think of a fantasy setting, and just like I, I believe it was that uh, uh, Matt said it, no elves, no dwarves, there's none of that stuff in there. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that has been removed from a campaign setting of this nature. So I don't really consider this a, 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 a Greyhawk or a Forgotten Realms or even a Dark Sun or a Kingdoms of Calamar. It's just a low fantasy setting to me. Right. Mm. Uh, now, yeah, in a high fantasy yeah. setting, uh, if you were to just walk around, you would be in awe of everything, be it the creatures, yes. the people, the buildings, everything. If you were to walk around Hyboria, you would be like, this sucks. This sucks, Or, yeah. you know, and, and I think when you're talking about like a low fantasy setting, I think if I could allude to the original 82 movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, like one of the things I remembered in the documentary what John Milius was going for was I wanted to be, he wanted to ground it as much as in, it was like, this is a place you could actually have gone to mm-hmm. in, in, right. in earth's past. And I think that's why he chose those locations. Like in that movie, because I inevitably that's what a lot of people think about when you talk about this stuff. So, right. yeah, I guess it, and, and Howard did write that there was a, um, belief that 
you know, maybe, and he, I think he kind of shared this, that, you know, maybe this could have happened. Maybe this Conan fella didn't maybe exist in this past age of the world. So, you know, Howard kind of alluded to that in some of his stories. I don't know how yeah. much he actually believed in it, but who knows? Well, maybe that led up to some of his mental problems later on in life because we all know yeah. what happened to him eventually. You know, he yeah. did have some issues. Yes, but he no, did. And, and that's what I meant, Vince, by low fantasy. Is it a low magic world? It certainly is. Yes, it definitely is a very low magical world because when I, when I play a game like this, when I hosted this and when I actually played Conan and you know with the Mongols, I wasn't going around looking for magical items because to be honest, it's just like Dark Sun. They're extremely rare, if not close to right. being unique in nature. Same right. thing with books and, and just some of the stuff just didn't exist really that much. So uh, I mean, this is a very challenging setting if you're a long time D and D player. It's going to take some, you know, getting used to and everything. If you really want to run this in a very successful, low fantasy, uh, very gritty campaign where survival in a hostile world mm-hmm. is, is, is the priority, really, to be honest with you. Yeah. It, it isn't like you're going to be just like, hey, I need to go look in a cave and go kill some monsters and grab some loot. I mean, yeah, you're going to go out there and try and need some loot because there's money in this world. It's more about survival. Exactly. Right. That's exactly what it's survival. And just Conan just happens to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Everybody's, you know, he's a barbarian, of course. You know, when he goes into a bar, the first thing that happens is, hey, you lout, you stink, you smell. Move away from my table. Starts <laughs> the fight and the whole thing starts. Yeah. <laughs> he just happens to be in the wrong place. It's the wrong time. And, you know, it's just awesome. But uh, that's my take on this whole thing with, you know, Hyborian and, you know, a setting of this nature. And, uh, you know, I know that we kind of got off track because we were actually talking talking about Red Sonja Unconquered, which, sorry to say, is lame. (laughs) I I found all three modules lame with a capital L-A-M-E and all those authors need to tattoo a big capital L on their forehead. Now tell us how you really feel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just messing around. No, well, no, you know, know what? But it is. It's a hard thing to do with the game mechanic of AD and D to try to take this set of uh, this literature and try to kind of shoehorn it into a game mechanic. It's very difficult. <laughs> yeah. And two of the things they tried to do that emulate the books, I guess, was to add additional game mechanics to it one of them is this fear factor thing mm-hmm. and i'm not talking about the show um, um but mean... there's there's a fear factor it's uh, you could i would say in my opinion this is analogous analogous to sanity in call of cthulhu um and that's what it really is i guess you have a fear statistic and it's ranges from one to ten and if you if you uh, make a fear check, you know, you don't run away from the horror from the abyss. If you do, then you <laughs> stay and fight. So basically it's, it's a, uh, it's a, it's your sanity check from call of Cthulhu essentially. And then you have this, another thing, uh, luck. There's a luck, luck. Uh, a tribute that you're given which is tries to make it uh, more heroic. You could spend luck points in your, your adventure to try to maybe give you an extra attack, uh, maybe uh, able to bust a door down to try to get out and escape, or you can use two luck points to make it a little bit more 
how are level points and what? And you can earn luck points depending on what you do in the campaign mm-hmm. on top of your experience points. Yeah, the so, reminiscent of action points from later editions. Yeah, yeah. So I I guess this was their attempt to try to emulate the the uh her, you know the kind of swashbuckly feel of the uh, of Red Sonia and a larger extent the Conan books in the Hyborian Age. So. I don't know. I mean, you. I guess you could use these if you wanted to. I would. I wouldn't say fear check personally. I would say sanity. And I've actually come up with my own little idea using a sanity check for uh, in the Hyborian Age, and the luck thing. Well, I don't know. I think the luck is originally intended in the the die rolls that you usually have to make right. for combat and saving throws anyway. Yeah, and so, you'll notice in the module it actually says if your players created their own characters, do not use luck. Only use it for the pregens. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it is kind of weird in that respect. So. Yeah, so again, an interesting setting. You know, it's, you all have to take it and, and, and bear with it. Now, I did notice one thing also as I was reading these modules. I was reading CB1 and CB2 and everything, and I went online to do a little bit of research and everything. Uh, good player hooks is reputation and glory. Yeah. And that's why uh, the PCs, the player characters, will be trying to gain reputation and gain glory and, and and stuff, and they have to do certain jobs in order to maintain that reputation and glory. So it's pretty cool. It's, it's good right. setting. But if, if anyone's really interested in reading, I mean, getting into this kind of setting, get Mongoose uh, Publishing, uh, the Conan RPG. Oh, yeah. uh, you're not going to find a more... The revised one where they edited it, they re-edited it and makes sense? Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, don't remind me of that because I went crazy because when that book first came out, it was a $50 book. Not even six to nine months later, they released it again, a revised edition. I was so yeah, upset about said, that. Yeah, they said, oops, we're sorry. Yeah. And I had to pay for it. I had to pay another $50 for it. I was yes, they're, my mind. They're, yes, the book was edited by Timmy. Yeah. <laughs> Editing was not one of Mongoose's strong points if you've just read any of their books. Yeah. <laughs> was that when they changed the rules, or was that just the second edition of printing of the book? It, it was a revised edition. There was a lot. Oh, it was just horrible. It was a rata. Yeah. There it were was just, just glaring editing errors, from what I understand. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly what it was. Editing and formatting of the text, from what from what I've read. I just, they made another edition of the game eventually, too. So yeah, that was different than the D twenty rules. Yeah, and I'll tell you, that is where you want to go if you really want to get into the setting, really look into Mongoose's publishing, because I don't think there's anyone else out there that has come out with a with a better understanding of how that rule set works. And that's about it for me on this. Okay. Uh, speaking about races, you were, we talked about race, how there's no elves, there's no dwarves. I, right. incorporated, I incorporated those into my game. You did? I used, for dwarves, I call them smaller humans or midgets pretty much or and for, <laughs> no you laugh but i did i called them midgets and things like that and for elves i called them mute, mutated humans <laughs> then he had connies yeah they smell like cabbage. small hands smell like cabbage oh, <laughs> I, I called elves mutants or mutated oh, okay. humans that's all Oh, yeah, well, that's, that's a quick fix to that and everything you just get a meat cleaver and, and cut half their ear off and then they look human again yeah right or you could do like the one Star Trek episode, cover their head with a band. And... Oh. 
Oh, I did mean to say also that there are monks in this game. There are yeah. bards. Yeah. So swashbucklers. I mean, it's just it's just amazing how this game. The thing about it is, I don't really think there's what you would call clerics. No, and I'll talk about that in the magic section. Good to go. Then you cover and that. Also, I, I, if unless you want me to talk about, or you can, uh, the whole idea of alignment. No, no, no! Please, please proceed and everything. Well, when we're talking about a Hyborian campaign, the the idea of alignment is out the window. Hence, why there's no uh, paladins in this particular type of setting. You can what? have cavaliers. But no paladins. The idea of alignment, gone. Forget it. Um, because it, it's the person's ide- motivations, personal choices, whatever they want to make. It, because you know, like we were talking about before, Conan and the rest of his ilk, they're kind of like anti-heroes. They're not exactly the most heroic guys in the world. Conan's just trying to get through in the world. So is Red Sonia. She's just trying to get through in the well, the, her I, I, way in the world just, and try to survive and and live as long enough as he or she can. You can so strip they'll down do the easily. They're they're what? Strip down the alignments to good, neutral, or evil, and that's it. You could do that. You could basically do just the three alignment uh system that you know was in from way back in the day. I mean well, you know what I would use? Awful. I would use the palladium system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would even be a better Unscrupulous. Yeah. I believe that would be a better fit for Hyborian Age uh, campaign right. setting. Yeah, yeah. Cause the Palladium system, when it comes to the alignments, there's enough shades to cover the type of people that you would run in this because you're not going to have a bunch of lawful goods able to exist in this world for very long because their ideals would get in their way of their survival. Right. Now you, I think you're right. I think you could either do the Palladium system, as far as alignment's concerned, or you could just do good, neutral, evil. I think that would work, too. I think good, neutral, evil would work fine. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So tell us what you think, and let's head into the second part. Uh, game mechanics. What the heck is that? Understand, you fool. I have a spell that will work here. What do you mean I can't hit with that? Oh, right. Fine. Show it to me in the book. Welcome to Game Mechanics. All right, now in game mechanics, going with our, I guess, our Hyborian Age uh, motif that we're going with, uh, the, with the Red Sonia module, I think the large extent we're talking about the Conan ones too, is um, we talked about the monsters and how to kind of put those in a Hyborian setting, how we can use what we can from AD&D there, classes. Now we're going to talk about the magic system here and how magic works in a Hyborian Age and um, what we can and cannot do. Um, two big factors really come to mind when we talk about how the magic works in the Hyborian Age. Going with the, the, the books and, and the stories that were out of the, uh, the, uh, the pulp magazines, 
magic is more ritualistic and you know and i you know i can't really say it any nicer it's a lot has to do with sacrifice human sacrifice so there you're probably going to have that factor in uh with you know magic users and illusionists um they derive their power from you know from you know maybe sacrificing people <laughs> and no no uh no nice way of saying it i mean it is a gritty world and we all know that and that's part of it Another thing is is clerics. They really do not exist in the Hyborian age. They I mean they, they use the term priest and and I think it was kind of used interchangeably with sorcerer a little bit. Um but um it's, so it's a bit ambiguous in that. There's no real clear distinction. So what can you and cannot do? Well, healing is gonna be rather limited. Now there's some ways around this that you can do as far as healing. Um, you can um, just make a, 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 a stat, and I believe it's in the adventure where you recover a certain amount of hit points a day. Yeah. For, uh, with, and it doesn't matter rest or not. You just recover like a one hit point a day. Um, another thing that you could do, um, and I think we're going to try to make this available on the website is I'm going to track down who we got. I, I found a PDF about basically doing Hyborian age AD and D. I'm going to try to track down who it was from it. Cause it was a free PDF. There's no big deal about it. So there's no copyright infringement. <laughs> and, um, one yeah. way around that is, uh, apparently to drink certain, uh, beverages, namely yeah, wine, alcohol. <laughs> alcohol. If you drink, a certain amount of wine or if you want to expand it to like ale, beer, whatever, you can recover, um, you know, a hit point. So that's one way around that too. Um, or, you know, maybe, you know, even though it is a low fantasy, that, that's your, that's your potion of healing basically. So <laughs> you're going to have to be being that being said, as far as healing is concerned, it's going to make combat a lot, lot more deadly. Now, there is another option that I didn't think about when we was talking about the clerks and healing. Yeah. There's no reason why shamans cannot exist in a Hyborian campaign. Oh, yeah. they Shamans can exist, and they do. But I, they, think, I think as far man. as clerics as, like, you're going to see oh, yeah. uh, clerics of, of like the standard ones in AD and D, they're not really that common. Oh, I mean, a- you pr- you probably could incorporate that sort of thing, but they're going to be rare because they're not going to leave their temples all that often. Of course and, not. And I think you would almost want to go down to like a specialist type cleric route if you want to do something like that, if you want to experiment with something like that, you know. So... Kind of like what happened with Greyhawk Adventures when they had the specialist clerics for the various gods. You could right. probably do the same thing here with uh, with clerics as well. So, also when you're talking about magic, uh, you're going to event- evidentially talk about magic items. What is going to be the deal with magic items in the Hyborian Age? Well, it's low magic, folks. You're not going to find a whole lot of them. If you're going to get a, uh, if you're going to find a longsword plus one, you're going to be. That's very lucky. Yeah. You're very very lucky even to get that. It's. <laughs> I mean, and in that kind of way, it's almost a breath of fresh air mm-hmm. because you know what? Your players 
are going to rely on their wits and the skills or whatever they have of their character itself besides trying to beef up on magic items. Right. So it's going to, I think, force your players into a position to where they're going to have to be a little bit more um, careful about when they get in the combat, try to be a little more skillful. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't have, like, special weapons. They might not be magical, but maybe you have a special type of, like, Hercanium bow that gives you a plus one to hit and damage. That's fine. It's just not magical. It's just a really nice, specially made bow. Just to throw an example like that out there. I could even see someone who does have one of like one of these rather mundane magic items in any other world actually having his own tribe or following because of it. He right. ha- he go. has this magic sword, so therefore we follow him because he has the power of the gods. Right. Exactly. That's Conan, a very good point. And yeah, when you're talking magic about magic sword. items in the Hyborian Age, if you've read through the stories, you know as well as I most magic items are actually kind of bad. (laughs) They like either hurt you or drive you insane or hurt you and drive you insane or something of that kind of nature. Magic was really when Howard wrote his stories was seen as something as rather decadent, Uh a very, uh, and if anything, it was a real chancy thing to use. I mean, you were playing with powers beyond your ken. So, <laughs> well, I look at it like this though: if Conan can around, run around his entire life without using magical weapons and magical armor to defeat all his foes, why not bother to do it? That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, and I think uh, you know it can work. I. Th- and in retrospect, as I saw, you know, like it's really hard to shoehorn this kind of setting into the mechanic. But if you are patient enough and work with it, it can be done. But there, like, there's a lot of caveats to all this stuff. And you're, and and I think on a player side, it might not be as exciting. On on a GM, DM side, I think it'd be kind of different. It'd be very It'd be a, a kind of a real refreshing thing where, you know, all your player characters are running around with you know plus three firebrands and and bags of holding and I don't know the ring of Gax. So. <laughs> I kind of like that idea that it's, you know magic items are themselves very rare and can be quite detrimental. So, and as far as the other things like spell casting, what I can say specifically, you're not going to find a lot of offensive spells like fireball, magic missile, lightning bolt, basically the the big three, <laughs> if you will, from <laughs> magic users' repertoire. Those are not the kind of spells you're going to find in a, a magic user spell book in a high boring age. You're going to find more things about like controlling people, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like uh, hold person, you, ESP. You're going to find more uh, like monster summoning. Yeah. Uh, your monster yeah. summoning spells are common. Your summoning um, elementals. Elementals, and... yes. Um, also, you could talk about things like uh, if you want to expand this out to some of the other spells dealing with clerics, you know, like insect swarm, um, but uh, you know, things like magic jar, um, curses, curses. Oh yes, um, 
So a uh, fear spell, uh, sleep. So those types of things that affect the mind that uh, are more of manipulating people. Maybe some defensive spells. I, I could see like shield would be one that you would have. Uh, but real offensive spells, not going to see a whole lot. I, I just don't see that happening. I mean, it doesn't mean you can't, but I think they're going to be rather rare. So that's really my understanding with the, uh, the, the Red Sonia adventure here on magic. And also you can have, you know, what the limits are of magic. Uh, on the personal thoughts, like I said, I think it's kind of refreshing that the magic items are rare in this kind of setting. So your your players are not going to be all too dependent on them. They're going to have to play, rely on the wits and the skills of their class, of their character as it is. And um, it's going to be a little bit more gritty in that respect. And um, I don't know. I'm going to... I'm going to see if I can find out exactly where we got the P or I got the PDF from and it outlines this and a lot more about running a high boring campaign. And hopefully we can post it on the website. So you must have the same. That's the one I printed out last night. Yeah. I, I think there were some really good guidelines on this. Oh um, yeah. 16 and, pages worth. Yeah. Yeah. There really is. And at first I was really reluctant on doing something like a high boring campaign, but you know, if you sit down and you're careful with it, you can make it work. You just have to hope that as a DM, your players are up to something that's going to be very different to what they're used to. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Uh, gentlemen, any uh, thoughts or comments on that, on the magic stuff? No? <laughs> well, no. I mean, I think you you basically covered the, the whole the whole spectrum there and everything. It is what it is. And yeah. uh, like I said, just get ready for limitations. There's a lot of things that you just cannot do. Right. That's true. So I guess with that, on that note, we'll uh, move on to our next section with uh, Creature Feature. That is not dead. That is not dead. That is not dead. And with strange ears, even death may die. I welcome the unwary to the Creature Feature Theater. Now we're going into the Creature Feature Theater, and we'll talk about a creature that reminds me a lot of the Invisible Stalker, except kind of more evil, because if you have this thing following you, you're in trouble and you've really annoyed someone. Because the... And we will be talking about the Nika. It is an immense monster who has no solid physical form. It's like a appears as just like a large reddish brown cloud with four appendages sticking off. And it's a summon creature who can is controlled by uh, magic users. But where this is where it gets nasty. You'll only find one. But which is a good thing because its armor class is minus one. And did I mention it's invisible when it moves? Yeah. <laughs> and it has a 70% magic resistance. And with each of its four appendages, it gets an attack, an electrical attack. So it's shooting you with electric, invisible for the most part. And it, it also energy drains you as well, just because... It's not evil enough. It has to suck the life from you 
while shocking you. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, and also, they're really fast. As in, when they're invisible, a hundred feet around. Yikes. Yeah. When they're vi- when ten you can hit dice. Ugh. Yes, ten hit dice. So yeah, they're great for stalking players, stalking groups, and they are just very, very nasty. And they can't be damaged by normal weapons. So you're in a low magic world, and you can't damage the damn thing. Yeah. How nice. Right. <laughs> so this This is where you run? Run. And and uh no matter how hard you run, you're not running fast enough. <laughs> yeah. Hundred feet when invisible. Wow. Yeah. At least when it shoots you, it has to be solid. It has to at least appear. So then it's only moving twelve or twenty four. But still, that's faster than you. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I've done some research, and I can't really find any reference of it anywhere else outside of the Conan universe. Um, there's no real D and D equivalent or anything folklore, so it's strictly a Hyborian creation. And I think it really should stay there because if it will, in a D and D world, it's not that scary because. Well, actually, it is. <laughs> There's no way about <laughs> even it. There, even there, scary. I'm thinking, even with the mat, no, that 70% magic resistance. It, they gave it a 70% magic resistance in a low magic world. Yeah, That's just yeah. nasty. Isn't that just wrong? <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. Just in case you have, like, a magic item, it ain't going to work. Right, yeah. I'm going to use magic jar. No. No. <laughs> Sorry. No. You're just going to die. That's yeah. pretty much what it comes down to. Yes, it's just nasty. I mean, so what do you guys think on this thing? Uh, yeah, yeah, enough said. Nasty thing. I mean, yeah, that glaring 70% magic resistance in a low magic setting. What? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> that just doesn't make much sense to me. Right. You know, it's like It's like putting curve feelers on a tractor. <laughs> this reminds me of that energy draining monster that James T. Kirk fought in the old Star Trek uh, scenario. I think I don't know what they called him again, but yeah, that's what it, it reminds me of. It's a horrible monster. Like you know, at the they have a picture of it in the in the adventure here. Mm-hmm. It almost looks like that was it that um, that negative energy material plane thing. Oh, the Zanya or the Zanya? Yeah. yeah. It's- it almost looks like it's like big angry brother you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> so well, i mean if you look at look at that monster and look at the one below it if you saw the pictures of the, the other one it's called the drowner i mean both of them have that call of cthulhu look mm-hmm. yeah yeah slimy nasty other dimensional creatures who want to lots of spirit. eyes lots of tentacles yeah yep tentacles are are a must <laughs> <laughs> boy yeah, the player's got a problem with this monster. Yeah. Yeah. I how I mean, but that it does bring up the question, how are you gonna defeat this creature when it's immune to regular normal weapons mm-hmm. and it's got a seventy percent magic resistance? How are you gonna defeat this thing in a low magic setting? <laughs> Hello <laughs> very lucky and find a wish spell. <laughs> yeah. Like luck points. 
Somehow you open a dimensional porthole, you go to the Forgotten Realms, grab a bunch of stuff, and come back and hope it works. Oh, it's where you grab Elminster. Hey, you! Yeah, Elminster! Morton Cannon! We need you now! I think uh, one of the best things to look at when you read the description of it, remember now that this uh, it is a summoned creature... And it's controlled and manipulated easily by magic users or spellcasts, whatever you want to call them. So I think the, the best thing to do is maybe the the uh, summoner is within a protective circle. Mm-hmm. And the players, if they can get around this, this thing is large. It's, it's very big. It's like 30, 30 feet. feet. Yeah, yeah, 30 yeah, feet. So try and get around it and disrupt the summoner, damage his magic circle, disrupt his summoning spell or whatever. So the creature will actually, you know, turn around and says, you summon me now, I will eat you. Right. And then, or if you kill the summoner, maybe that will send the creature back to where it came from. So, yeah. you know, something might keep it here only because the summoner is still alive. So, I mean, there's other alternatives. Yeah. So basically, this thing is like as big as a house. Yeah. It's huge. 30 yeah. feet. Size yeah. large. Yeah. So... And if you were out traveling and you just saw it in the distance, you just see this giant reddish brown cloud. You'd be like, "What sort of weird storm is that?" <laughs> and then you start seeing the lightning, the electric yeah. from the tentacles. You're like, "Oh, that's a bad. S- that's not a storm." Uh oh, <laughs> run! <laughs> it's still going to catch it 100 feet. Yeah, it's like the movie The Happening, but something's actually happening. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God, that was a terrible movie. <laughs> I know, that's why I had to wrestle Marky Mark, isn't it? The only thing good about that movie was watching how much Mark Wahlberg's eyebrows grow shorter and shorter throughout the movie. Dude, it's still Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Oh, yeah. Oh, I just liked it when the people were jumping off the building. That was awesome. Oh, you know what the best version of that movie is? Watching the riff track version of that movie. Oh, God, that must be Uh-oh. awesome. Watching Mike and uh, the former voices of the bots making fun of that movie. Anyway, let's head over into Dragon Sword. As the secret portal yields to your efforts, you stand amazed at a vision from the most fevered dreams of avarice. Before you lies the Dragon's Horde. Dragon's Horde. <laughs> Yes, Roar. Anyway, we have a uh, one of the magical items that was from this module called the Belt of Markol. Basically, it's a simple, very simple belt with a horseshoe-shaped brass buckle. And I love what you can do with this belt is basically to use it, you tighten it by a notch, and you can hold or slow a person down uh, up to three turns as long as they're within 30 feet of you. Uh, and that's basically all this item does. So... <laughs> It's a perfect example of a low magic setting, a low fantasy setting, like what was And saying. it's weird. Right. But it actually fits very thematic though, because yeah. it's a very slave driven oriented world, so you could see a slaver having this on and using it to control a slave. But just make sure you don't have supper before you do this because you oh, have, right, right. Yeah, you don't want to be bloated. Yeah. Every time you do you if you want to do something else, you gotta tighten the belt another notch and I'll do it again. Three, uh, I think it's three times a day. Yeah, three times a day. Three times a day, perfect. Uh, One thing that confuses me about this, it says slow or hold. Is it slowing a person or is it holding a person? Maybe it's up to the choice of the wearer. Yeah, because they have to concentrate on the victim, so I think it's their choice. 
Yeah. You can either slow down a person or you can hold them in place. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Should be, yeah, should be, yeah, it's that's an either it or type option there. And there you go. You just found the magic item that will stop the Nika from attacking you. Right. There you go. Yeah. But it says to slow a person repeatedly, they must keep tightening. It doesn't say to hold, though. Repeatedly, yeah. you have to keep tightening it. So that's, that's where it kind of confused me. Well, see, if you go down further, it says if the victim is within 30 feet, the slowing effect is powerful enough to hold a person for three turns. So it does, it holds the person. Then, yeah, you have to be very close to it. If you're within 30 feet, it holds you. So if I'm in 90 feet, it just slows them down? That's what it does. Yeah. That's what, it's, that's what I'm looking at right now. So, so as long as you can see it, you can use it. Right. There you go. Okay, and I love the, the obviously a thin person will have more chances to use this effect. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna say fat people can't use this. I mean, come on. <laughs> but who says it has to be around your waist? What if you put it around your wrist? Ah, and then you can use it forever. Yeah. <laughs> or your finger. Bounce it on your Jeez, finger. Would... Put it around your neck. <laughs> oh wait a minute, no. Keep tightening it. It doesn't say it says you just three times a day. It doesn't say how many charges are on it, but let's see. The belt can be used once every three turns by its wearer. Oh. The second paragraph, first line. So then you can pretty much use this all day long. Yeah. Unless the DM puts it like uh a charges on it or a certain amount of notches on it. Yes, I, would I think they hit on it though that this is the weapon in the mo- the magic item in the module to defeat that nasty creature. The Nika. <laughs> oh, just remember now, you have to keep tightening the belt. Eventually, you can only tighten the belt so far until you can't tighten no more. So that's when you have to stop using it. Right. The moment you unbuckle it, you know, it's done. But when they're held, it's three turns. That's, that's enough a time. Long time. Yes. If yeah. yes, if you can't <laughs> subdue someone held in three turns, you have bigger issues. Yeah, you're a wuss. <laughs> That's nasty. Just point out because uh, they were talking about spells before. They have an NPC character right below this, and it's the spells that they have listed that they would use is charm, person, protection from evil, shield, invisibility, levitate, web, haste, suggestion, confusion, dig, remove curse, disintegrate. Which I don't know. That's kind of questionable to me. Hmm. Charm- disintegrate, really? Yeah, because I don't- that's a that's a basic. Uh, is Disintegrate in 1st Edition AD&D? Yeah. yeah oh, yes. What oh, level yes. is that? Sixth. Oh, that's why, because I've never seen that spell. I don't have a magic user ever that high. <laughs> <laughs> well, this bad boy here is a 15th level magic user, 5th level illusionist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The illusion spells I agree with. Chain self-detect illusion light. Mist direction ventriloquism and paralyzation. I agree with all those. Disintegrate's the one thing that probably... I, I and maybe teleport, too. I, I could see Disintegrate just because... It shows a kind of a lack of control. You're not going to be able to finesse a disintegrate spell. It's either all or nothing. And I could see the magic in this world. If you channel something that powerful, it's just going to disintegrate everything. It's not going to just strategically take out like the single person. Well, so. this is the biggest fail of it so far. The seventh level spell that this NPC has is called Morden Kanan Sword. So, just, <laughs> so they did I, open that portal. I talking about them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That must be a typo. (laughs) But you see what I'm saying? You're not. This is what I'm saying. You're going to fail in trying to get AD&D into a Hyperion Age 
world. It just doesn't yeah, work. Yeah. What about those? Yeah. What about the Tasha's <laughs> uncontrollable hideous laughter? What about that? Hmm? Or I, I uh, disagree. You will. Ledman's tiny hut. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I would disagree with you. I think this could be done successfully in a campaign, and I will run a campaign with you in it just to prove it. We get to use the spells out of the player's handbook? Uh, everything, yeah. From Forgotten Realms of Great. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I rules for this. And um, if I could find them, I'll get, put them on the site. I don't know where the heck they are. I'm trying to think. They're a folder. Well, I said, like I said before, I think it can be done. It, 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 it can. I've done it. Yeah. Yeah. And it could be quite exciting. You just got to rem- you got to remember what you're dealing with as far as the source material. And you you have to be a little bit loose with it. You can't be strictly uh this is how it is in the novels, so this is how it's going to be here. You're going to have to be a little bit more loose. Oh, yeah, you got to be open-minded on this and you have to think outside the box. Uh, like I said, if it's a Hyborian age content, there's not going to be no more than Kanan's sword or no Tasha's uncontrollable hideous laughter and Everett's black tentacles or, or whatever if else. They are, if they are there, they're just called something else. Yeah. Yeah. I also like sword. <laughs> I like how in some of the equipment, the armor is only banded plate and splint mail. That's all they have. Yeah, yeah. right. And that's, that is that's correct. Yes, I, I like that. You, you don't. You won't find anything better than really bronze plate mail armor. Right. As a matter of fact, that PDF that we was talking about, I found it online. I saved it. Oh, good. So we'll talk about it. But yeah, the equipment list. Oh yeah, it's it's very minimal. Very minimal. I mean, like plate mail, for example, is fifteen hundred gold, and it's extremely yeah. rare, very rare. In fact, I was when I was kicking around the idea of doing this for a campaign, no plate mail at all, nothing better than splint or banded mail. Hey, that makes sense. Yeah, I, there, it does. I, I think there would be some mail, some chain mail. Oh, chain mail, yeah. yes. Scale yeah. ring mail, absolutely. Definitely... Leather, uh, Leather, you know, hide armor, but I don't think you're going to find plate. I, you I don't just run think... around naked. Conan did that half the time. Oh, that's true. Okay. Now, I was looking through real quickly the module, and the Nikita, the monster that Matt reviewed, the PCs actually find it in this module that we're looking at. They come across <laughs> it, and it says, if the PCs attack the cloud, it suddenly becomes, become, begin, wow, it suddenly begins darting about the area and attempt to confuse the PCs. As the cloud moves, it shoots nut painful streams of electricity through its limbs at the PCs. Ow! <laughs> Nikachu! Why was it working like that? <laughs> Nut painful streams of electricity? <laughs> Is that supposed it, to be newt or maybe something else? Oh. It, you mean I, it's shooting painful streams at your testicles? <laughs> That's what I was Oh, my lord. Yes, I'm children. And I do have to say that, Will, you did point out there's a lot of good art in this module. Yeah, the art is really impressive. They really went out and went for this, especially on page nine. The picture yep. of Sonya talking to the uh, NPC uh, wizard. Very, yeah. very good drawing. No nudity, but it's you know close enough. It's close though. I tell you, they were they were yeah. borderline. I, this is a module you should pick up for your collection. Yes, if you can find it, I can't even imagine how much it cost. Fifty bucks on Amazon. Ooh, ouch. That's for a used copy. Now, kind of like, I guess, some uh, my own personal thoughts I on this module and and I guess with the AD&D rules, 
Actually, but as before you start that, Nick, let's let's head over to the out. Oh, I'm sorry. Here I am getting ahead of myself. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be right back. Okay, and this is probably going to bring a closing to the show where we leave our last final thoughts. And Nick, you were starting off the last segment. Yeah. Sorry, I, I got ahead of myself. I apologize out, out there. But when I was, I think this kind of brings up a question on, you know, the influences that were put into AD&D and to D&D as a whole. I mean, it's when you read through the, was it Appendix N? you can see the list of all the different authors and stories that influenced the, the game. You know, what you know, Gary Gygax thought is inspirational. One of them was Robert E. Howard. Yes. Now, keep this in mind. There was a lot of other stuff. There was Fritz Lieber. There was uh, Tolkien. There, There's a slew of others. Lovecraft. I, I mean, little bits and pieces that he liked influenced his idea of what D&D was going to be it's a mishmash it's a mishmash of all those types of concepts and ideas from from all those fantasy authors now when you want to try to just focus on one of those things like in this case with the hyborian age it's not initially on the surface easy to do uh, as far as like, I want to make a Hyborian Age campaign, or I want to do a Middle Earth thing with the D and D rules. On the surface, it's kind of difficult when, when you're first looking at. It. But if you give it some considerable thought, it can be done. And Vince, you said you did run a successful campaign in a Hyborian Age using AD and D. Yeah. So, you know, it can be done. I think we actually outlined some uh, pretty good ideas in this show that. It can be done. I mean, you don't have to be strict uh, by the by, you know, by the book. Uh, Howard Robert E. Howard, um, you know, has to be just like that in the stories. You got to run it a little loose. So, at least that's my personal take on it. I think it could be done. And I think it'd be an, um, a rather interesting uh, change for 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 players and DMs. Okay. Anyone else have any final thoughts? Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, get, I get the idea that, Will, you're not too hip to the idea. <laughs> it, it's possible. It just requires a lot of work and a lot of forethought as to what to include and what not to. Because right. really anything is possible. You could just play just about any type of game with the bare mechanics of AD&D, yeah. but it doesn't mean it one works that well, right? but it can be done. Right. I mean, you could say just the opposite if we were talking about running uh, AD&D, but strictly like Middle Earth. I think you would run into similar issues. You, know? <laughs> you guys are killing me. I can't stop laughing about it. <laughs> No, I, 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 I agree. You're all wrong. Can't work. No way. No, no, no. I'm not saying you're all wrong. No, I do agree with you. I, I think that uh, if you're going to try and run a Hyborian Age game with AD&D rules, it's, it's going to take a lot of effort and a lot of work. And my only advice is, like I said, pick up the Mongoose Publishing Conan RPG and start use that as your base and then you can start putting in you know the AD&D elements to make it you know feel more comfortable but like i said this is a it's a very difficult setting 
to customize for A, right. B, and D. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about it. It can, it can be a bit difficult because you're going to have to weed through a lot of stuff in the original rule set that you might not be able to use. And we've highlighted that. Another book, I, I, I didn't know if we caught it on, 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 on air, but I also mentioned GURPS Conan. Yes. If, if you could find it, good luck. It, um, I think the PDF might still be available on, on Warehouse 23 through uh, Steve Jackson Games. I have a copy of it. I was lucky to come across it a long time ago. It's a nice, it's a wonderful reference. If you want to do this, I highly recommend getting that. Also, the Mongoose Publishing stuff. Um, and I know that there's various, and obviously, the source material itself is really good. So there you have it. By Crom. <laughs> <laughs> and there's tons of tons of resources online. I'm looking at uh, yeah, yeah. right now the High Boring HD20 website here. Uh, Hyboria.xoth.net. It's uh, done. I'm not sure who did it. I'm trying to figure out who did this. Which one is this? Uh, it's a High Boring Age campaign for D20 Adventures. Someone made up all these rules. Yeah, I found that well too. I used that for some of my inspiration for the game I was thinking of running. Some of that could be easily ported in the the, oh, yeah. the AD first edition. The the person does a gazetteer, they do adventures, they have a blog talking about it, and every once in a while they put up ideas. So it might be something to mine once in a while just to look at. Mm-hmm. And just stop by there, just steal ideas. Why not? He has his own forums. They no, they don't work, just a mailing list. But it's something to look into. Yeah, I agree. I think that's going to end everything for this week. And I'm going to say keep it original, keep it old school, and good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. Bye, Crom. <laughs> it's the chopper now. <laughs> good night and good luck. Roll for initiative.